0: Have you ever heard this quote? We'll put it up here for you. Some things are better left unsaid, which I generally realize right after I have said them. You ever heard that one? It resurges on Facebook from time to time, and I like that one. Um, How many of you, that's a confession? You're like, yeah, I've done that before. And I think the reason that we would make a statement like that, which is a lot of fun, is because our words can either ignite a situation, Or they can tone down a situation. God's word even says that a word aptly spoken is like uh, apples of gold and settings of silver. In other words, it's like precious jewelry. The right word at the right time. How many have the gift of the wrong word at the wrong time? But how many know some people that have the right word at the right time? And they speak and you're like, wow, why didn't I think about that? How come that one didn't hit me? You know, I I would love to be that kind of person that could help calm a situation rather than pouring fuel on the fire. I'd like to be that kind of person. So today we're going to talk about how our tongue has the power of life and death. Now in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says this, quite literally, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it, some translations would say those who live by it will eat its fruit. So in other words, our tongues can literally bring destruction or they can bring life. And whatever we choose to live by, however we choose to handle it, is exactly what's going to follow us over the course of our life. Now I've got one of my spiritual kids here today, John Smith, okay? He calls me Papa. I didn't like it the first time that he called me Papa until I realized it wasn't about age, it was just about covering in his life. So I, when I see him, I'm like, son, how are you doing? Now, many of you know the John Smith story. How many you know the John Smith, the miracle in Lake St. Louis story? How many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about? Okay, there's a few of you that don't have a clue what I'm talking about. John, on January the 19th of 2015, was on Lake St. Louis with a few of his friends. Problem was, we'd had too many warm days in a row, and the ice wasn't as thick as it had been, and the ice broke underneath all of their feet and as it worked out, the two young men were able to get out of the lake but John wasn't able to get out of the lake and he, he drowned in the lake. I've lost track exactly of all the minutes but he was underwater for almost 20 minutes They tried to resuscitate him for 15 to 20 minutes on the shore and in the ambulance, and they worked on him for another 45 minutes at St. Joseph West Hospital in Lake St. Louis, right here in our own community, unable to recover a heartbeat, a pulse, a breath, nothing. He was dead. The doctor that was working on him, Dr. Kevin Sutter, His daughter attends the same school that John attended and that that John attends and that my daughter Emma attends. Abigail Jacobs attends that school as well. And so he knew who he was working on and Joyce, John's mom, arrives in the ER. She watches all of this as they're working on John to no avail and Dr. Sutter wanted Joyce to see not that he was alive, but that they had done everything they could do. He just wanted this mom to be able to view that they medically had done absolutely everything that they possibly could. And before he said, time of death, he asked Joyce to come up and to see her son. And as he has said in numerous interviews since, he wanted her to see that he was gone. And Joyce stepped up, and you know the story, many of you. She grabbed his feet, and she began to pray and it wasn't a soft prayer. As a matter of fact, we've been in that ER a few times and we've talked to nurses in that ER and it always is, I remember that day or they told me about that day, I wasn't here yet. Joyce began to pray so loud that the entire ER heard her. How many of you know there are times you wanna make sure God can hear you? And she grabbed hold of her son's feet and she said, Holy Spirit! Bring me back, my son. And immediately his heart began to beat. May we never lose the joy of what God did for that young man. I'm here to tell you, the tongue has the power of life and death. And I don't understand all of how the spirit works, but I know this much. If Joyce would have walked into that ER... And she would have watched that moment and partnered with the moment rather than her maker. If she would have walked over and grabbed John's feet and said, Lord, thank you for the 15 years. God, thank you that I had the privilege of having him in my home. Thank you that I know he's in your, I'll guarantee you the situation would have been different. If she would have partnered with death, death would have, separation would have stayed. But she partnered with life out of desperation. And I want you to know, when we're partnering with life, when we're partnering with the miraculous, when we're partnering with the presence of God, it's not because of theology. It's because we're desperate. I need Jesus. I need him in my family. I need him in every area of my life. My goodness, our country needs him desperately. Are you noticing the acceleration of every bad report, every murder, every conflict? It's accelerating. We desperately need the presence of Jesus. Desperately. I'm thankful that she released life. She had the courage to cry out in faith. And she experienced something that God's word says that we can experience. The tongue has the power of life and death. My daughter Sophia was one of the ones that was up here, kind of the tall one in the back. When Sophia was little, she was a biter. Anybody else was your child ever a biter? She was a biter, and I mean, we tried everything that a parent, a good, godly parent, is supposed to do. We slapped her. <laughs> we drop kicked her. We cattle prods, electric therapy. We did everything that Jesus would have us to do to help our child. We were desperate. We, couldn't, we talked about the value of people. We talked about how much God loves others. We would say, you know, we want to please Jesus. She'd be, yeah, Jesus isn't pleased when we bite people. She's like, oh. She's like, I've been given these teeth. They're a gift from the Most High, and I want to use, him for his, use them for his glory. And uh, I remember one time, she, Emma still has a scar right here where Sophie got her. I mean, she got her. We called her piranha, <laughs> land shark, Okay, and, and here's what happened. We were recognizing, oh, I gotta tell you my favorite As long as I'm telling stories, I gotta tell you my favorite one. She was in the hallway in her home, and she kept sticking her head around the corner of the, of the hall, looking through the great room toward her mom, Beth, who was in the kitchen, and Beth was cooking, and she was looking over, and Sophie kept sticking her head and then pulling it back, and Beth's like, oh, it's just so precious. She's playing peekaboo with mommy. So Sophie would stick her head out, and that would be like, peek a you know, and then Sophie would pull back, and she'd say, oh, you're just so precious. And then she started noticing, you know, she's doing that kind of weird, and she walked over there. Sophie was eating the corner of the wall. She was chewing the sheet rock in the house. This How many remember seeing uh, Jaws on the old 007 movies? Remember that guy with the steel teeth? I mean, that was Sophia. Now, the problem was, Beth and I weren't walking in any discernment. We were calling out what we were seeing rather than calling out what God would intend. I'm like, here's my little piranha. What am I saying? Continue to devour everyone that you meet, right? Here's my little land shark. And I'd tell people, you know, Sophia, she's crazy. And I had a gentleman in the church. He came up to me. and he said, hey, Pastor Brad, can I talk to you about something? I said, anything. He said, I want to talk to you about what you're speaking over your daughter. He said, not only are you declaring that she's a biter, you're declaring she's going to continue to be a biter. You're also speaking to every one of us that you have a crazy daughter, which means we're going to watch for her to be crazy, and we're going to expect that out of her. And he said, I "I know that you're not intending to speak a curse over Sophia, but in essence you are. And he said, I just want to challenge you to really pray about that. Well, how you know I didn't even need to pray about it at that point? You got somebody so stinking spiritual. So we called him before the board. We found, we found some hidden sin in his life. And we, we dismissed him from the church like we're supposed to. Oh, and I, re- I received it. I want you to know, Sophia's not perfect because she's brought up in our home. And Beth has issues. So so there's always going to be some struggle. But she is one of the gentlest, kindest little girls. She watches out for someone that needs her to put an arm around them. She serves one service every week in the toddler room or the nursery because she loves the kiddos. And I'm not bragging on her. I'm saying, thank God somebody corrected me so that I would begin to call out God's intent in her life, rather than just the biting that I was seeing. So here we go. Here's a thought, and I'll get into the verses. If the tongue has life and death power, and it does, we must learn how to use it properly and effectively. If it has life and death power, and it does, we must learn how to use it properly and effectively. How many of you have took a little while to overcome some things in your life because you were constantly spoken over that you weren't good enough? You weren't going to overcome. You weren't going to amount to anything. And that is so not what God speaks over us. That was a tongue with power that misused its power over someone's life. I want to call out your greatness. I believe there are enough people in this room that we could change our world today. There's a lot of power and authority here. So let's talk about blessings. Let's learn a little bit about it. I'll give you an example and then I'll just give you some takeaways. Sound good? Okay, all right, thank you, uh, Dan Rowden, all right, sounds good to Dan. Let's talk about Isaac and his sons, Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 4, um, Abraham was called by God, his name was Abram, and then God changed it to Abraham, there's a whole faith story there that I won't get into, but eventually Abraham and his wife Sarah, when Abraham was over hundred years of age, they had a son and they named him Isaac, How would you feel if you had a child when you had just turned 100 or so? I mean, God help us. Can I get an amen? So if you look it up in the original Hebrew, the word Isaac means he laughs. And it was literally in response to Sarah when she heard a word from God that said, you're going to be pregnant by the end of the year. She just started laughing. She's like, whatever. I'm a 90-year-old woman. If anybody heard about this, they would laugh. Well, a year later, she gave birth to a child. And so she named him He Laughs or Laughter because it's like, it's like going to the first day of school and you're the oldest parent there and you know that all the young parents assume that you're the grandparent of your own child. You know what I'm talking about? Sarah's walking around with little Isaac and everybody goes, isn't it so cute that Isaac's great-grandmother is still living and can see her child? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not great-grandma, it's his mom, okay? Wow, that's a miracle, that's the point. Isaac lived for a long time. He and Rebecca had a couple of twins. Jacob and Esau. Esau means Harry. They were very creative with their names back then. Okay? The first twin comes out, he looks like a shag carpet, and they're like, hey, call him carpet. Okay. The second one, and when he came out, he was holding on to his brother's foot. Literally holding on to his heel. As, as Esau was born, Jacob was jockeying for position. So they named him Jacob, which literally means grasper of the heel. How creative they were with names. Can you imagine Isaac's walking around? He's like, hey, meet my children. This is Harry and heel grabber. <laughs> Jacob's like, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for, for some of you'll catch that tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Now Isaac's old, He's about ready to pass says, Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son. They were twins, but Esau got out a couple of minutes earlier. Said to him, my son, here I am. Esau answers. Isaac said, I am now an old man. Now we don't get to read Esau thinking to himself, you are not kidding, right? I am now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and your bow. Go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me so that I can, uh, bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. This is an incredible moment. Isaac didn't want to die with the blessing. He wanted to give it away. Regarding blessings, here we go, number one. Don't die holding on to your blessings. Give them away as you speak words of faith over others. Isaac recognized that he really had something to give. And he did not want his life to end without giving it away. And in this situation, we're talking simply about his blessing. It was something so powerful that he wanted um, Esau to prepare for it. He said, this is what I want. You know the kind of food I like to eat. You know the kind of wild game I like. You know the spices that you cook. I enjoy all of that. Get it done. Get it done right. Bring it to me. And I've got something that I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my blessing. And we read in scripture, Esau didn't waste any time. He went out to go and get that game for his father. Now, what's interesting is we also read in scripture that Rebecca didn't waste any time. Rebecca was Isaac's husband, or Isaac's wife, excuse me. I've got a lot of jokes so I'm just gonna let lie right now. Okay, I'm gonna let them lie. I'm gonna move on.org. Okay, so Rebecca favored Jacob. Isaac and Esau spent a lot of time together. Isaac liked being out in the open country with his son Esau, who liked to go hunting. And it says of Jacob that he was a man that liked to dwell among the tents, he liked to cook. He was artistic. He hung out a little bit more with mom. So Isaac favored one of the twin boys and Rebecca favored one of the twin boys. But Rebecca also knew that the Lord had spoken a promise to her that the older was going to serve the younger. Now she knew that. She knew she had a promise from God that God was raising Jacob up for something special. So she tells Jacob, son, this is what I want you to do. Go out, kill a lamb, prepare we're going to prepare it the way that your dad likes, and then I want you to go to your father, he can't see anyway, go on in there, and you get the blessing before Esau does. Now Jacob reacted much the way that many of you would have. Mom, I can't, how am I going to be able to do that to my dad? Our voices aren't the same, we don't smell the same. My brother's a hairy man. I'm a man of smooth skin. This isn't going to happen. She said, this is what you need to do. Go ahead, when you kill the lamb, put the, put the lamb's skin all over your body. That way, when, you're, when your dad touches you, you're gonna feel like Esau. Now, does anybody else go there? How hairy was this dude? I mean, have you ever met one of those guys they take off their shirt at the swimming pool and you're like, they have another shirt? You know what I'm talking about? And they find a place where they quit shaving because they really could just go forever. That must be what this guy would, I mean, if you're putting sheepskin on, so that when your dad touches you, he's like, oh, the hair of my son That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So scripture is not boring, guys, especially if you let your mind go a little bit. So Jacob, because it was just killing a lamb, they weren't going hunting, they prepare it to taste the way it's supposed to taste. He goes in, he puts on one of his brother's garments, he gets close to his dad, his dad's like, ah, the smell of my son, the smell of outdoors. I want you to know, that's usually when I'm sent to go get cleaned up. I'll come in, Beth's like, oh, you smell like outside, you just need to go shower right now, right now, right? But then it, ah, perspiration, dew. Sweat, dry, crust, my son. right? There he is. I'm going to give you my blessing. And he spoke this amazing blessing, and here's where I'm going. It really, in his heart, it wasn't intended for Jacob. It was intended for, for, for Harry, for Esau. But it doesn't change the fact that when he gave it away, it was given. It was done. Now, we're Westerners. We're like, where's the justice? That's deceitful. That shouldn't have happened that way. Ah, right. But in the plan of God, when a blessing is given, that blessing happens. It's if if I gave you a hundred bucks right now, and I can't because I don't have it. But if I gave you a hundred and I said, "Here, this is yours," you would go, "Okay, I'll receive that." It is tangible. I can put my fingers around it, and you walk out going, "I've got a hundred bucks in my pocket that I didn't have when I got to church this morning." That's a that's a pretty good day. When your children walk out of here today, they're going to leave with something they didn't have when we came in. I'm just speaking words. Don't say I'm just speaking words when the tongue has the power of life. When we're taught that we have something that we can give away. As a matter of fact, it was so powerful. Jacob was even willing to risk a curse if he was caught trying to take it. It's like, I want it. His mom even said, Hey, if there's a curse, let it fall on me, son. Because to get the blessing is worth it. Here's some observations regarding the blessing. Number two, the blessing spoken gives an impartation for the future. It doesn't just say, hey, I'm glad, you, you know, you've been my son. You've been good in the past. We're giving an impartation for a future opportunity. Um, as a matter of fact, we'll read it in a moment. Jacob or uh, Isaac says to his son Esau, He's like, I'm sorry, I've got nothing left to give you, son. I've made your brother lord over you. I've given him the fields. I've given him the fruit. I've given him everything. What what else do I have to give? Once again, if I just think of this temporally, I'm like, what do you mean you've, you've given him everything? Nothing's passed yet. Oh, wait, yes, it has. Because when you've spoken it, it's taken place. And we've got to start to believe that. It amazes me when I can pray with somebody that's demonized, And been demonized for years and say, in the name of Jesus, let go. And they let go because they have to submit to the name of Jesus. And I'm like, wow, tell me the power of the spoken word doesn't bring some authority when we partner with the presence of Christ. Number three, the blessing is worth preparing for. Number four, when a blessing is given, it might not be visible, but it is tangible. It's real. Number five, the blessing given was not revocable. And number six, and we'll leave them up here for you for just a moment. The blessing given was the guarantee of a successful future. These are the observations just from this story with, a story with Isaac and his sons. If you want to take a picture of it for yourself, you can have it for your notes, okay? These are principles from this story. There's an impartation for the future. I want to share a moment with you when I saw an impartation then I didn't even expect it. Have you heard the word impartation before? Okay, impartation, it's when we participate with what God's doing to give something away that God wants us to give. So we participate in that. Many of you know that we have supported Samuel's house, an orphanage in Venezuela for many years. As a matter of fact, uh, their director, Gary and Patty are going to be with us the last Sunday of September. All right, we're getting them in. They're gonna give us an update on everything going on there. God is still using the funds that we send to feed and clothe and house those children, even though Venezuela is on fire. He is covering Samuel's house and blessing that place. And we are so grateful for that. But we were there years ago. I guess there were about 40 kids in the in the kids' chapel that day. And the Lord spoke to me. It's one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just speaks and he says, I have anointed one of these boys. To play the drums for my kingdom. I've anointed him to do that. And I want you to ask which one of them believes that they're to, to play the drums for the kingdom of God because you're gonna get there, um, an impartation needs to be given to them. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I am standing in front of 40 kids, half of them are boys, and they're eight, nine, 10 years old. How many know every one of them wanna play the drums? I'm sitting there going, How are we gonna walk this out? They're all gonna wanna play the drums. But I came up and I said, listen, there is someone here right now that you, you, I'm not just saying you want to play the drums, but you know you're supposed to play the drums. And every sponsor, every person immediately called out the young man that it was supposed to be. They knew who it was. They, they could feel it on him. And he came up and I'm getting ready to pray for him because an impartation is to be given. And it hit me, I don't have the impartation to play the drums. I mean, I can do a nice 80 syncopation beat. That's the only beat I've ever known. And sometimes I come in and I play it until our neighbors come and say, could we turn down the horrible drum music, okay? I don't have that ability. I don't have that gift, but you know who does? Pastor Josh. Have you ever heard that guy play the drums? My goodness, he makes them sing. It's amazing. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you could get that out of drums. So I'm like... Pastor Josh, would you lay hands on this young man? Simple moment. We're praying. He puts his hands on him and he said, Anything that God has given me in the drums and playing of the drums, I impart to you. And when he said that, there was a surge, a, a wave of the Holy Spirit. Everybody went, Oh! It was was like a wave that just went over us. There was something given. Pastor Brad, is that biblical? Yeah, there are gifts that are given through the laying on of hands. And when someone that has the gift, when they give it away, Pastor Josh didn't lose anything. He still has it, but now it's being duplicated and replicated in the next generation. You have gifts that need to be imparted to the next generation so that what has become your ceiling becomes their basement. So that they can take what you have and launch to the next level with what God's given you. In the church, we make this mistake all the time. We don't like their music, we don't like their style, we don't like what they're doing with their time and we curse our legacy. You realize you're not doing things the way your parents did. And your parents didn't do things the way that their parents and their grandparents did. The generations are changing. That's perfectly okay. Take every good thing that God's given you, impart it to your children, and let them take it to higher heights than you've ever even dreamed of. They're not revocable. Look in Genesis 27, 35 to 37. This is when Esau comes in. Jacob's just left. He's realized he's missed out. And his dad says to him, your brother came deceitfully. He took your blessing. He he got it, son. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Remember what I told you Jacob means? Grasper of the heel and deceiver. Grasper of the heel and deceiver. Isn't he rightly named? He's deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and that's another story, and he really didn't take it. Bozo gave it up. And now he's taking my blessing. How many you know you don't give up your inheritance for a bowl of soup? Never shortchange because you're hungry. Never just for a bowl of soup give away the inheritance that God has for you. Don't ever do it. He asked me, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I've made him lord over you. And have made all of his relatives his servants. And I've sustained him with grain and new wine. What can I possibly do for you, my son? This is a sad moment. It's a sad moment, but the principles are there. Something that had been given could not be revoked. It wasn't about whether he got it justly or unjustly. It had been given away and it couldn't be taken away. So think about it. Blessings call out God's best for someone's life and from someone's life. For them and from them. Let's go ahead and get the next slide up for us, if you don't mind. Blessings call out God's best for someone's life and from someone's life. When I think think about this, I've got Shiloh right here on the front row, so I can use her as an example. I want her to be blessed with everything that God would have for her, probably not as much as her family does, but I, I sure want her to be blessed that way, and I would pray that God would give Shiloh favor that he would open doors of opportunity for her, that he would raise her up as an example, that he would give her wisdom in moments when she's facing temptation or confusion, that he would give her fresh anointing in her life when she's facing a stronghold that's overwhelming. And I would pray that that's a blessing to pray over her and to speak over her. And to turn it from a prayer to a blessing really is to recognize that you have the authority of the kingdom. And now I'm not just praying it for Shiloh, but I'm actually giving it away. Because I'm in the kingdom of the Lord, I say, Lord, I I declare over Shiloh's life that she'll have wisdom, that she'll walk with anointing, that she'll have favor, that doors of opportunity will open for her, and that God's gonna give her favor all the days of her life. You can even feel that while I'm doing it. That's a blessing I just spoke over her. So when we think about it, blessings are to call out God's best for her, but also from her. I bless you that every talent that's been placed within you would come forth for the kingdom purpose to touch the lives of others. Maybe it's artistic. Maybe it's in math. Is it in math? No, it's not in math. (laughs) Wherever that is, because not only does God have blessings for her, but he has blessings through her. And I want to see her operate and walk in that as well. So when you're thinking about blessing someone, it's not just so that they can hold a blessing. It's so they can be a blessing and they can give a blessing. All right, I'm just about done. All God's people said, hard, hard to believe, I know. Let me give you just a few takeaways regarding blessing. And the reason I'm doing this and I'm giving you a lot of information today, if you haven't heard about giving a blessing before, um, this needs to click and connect with us. Because we're just a few moments away from having all of us bring our children in. And we're going to lay hands on them. If you're thinking, my, my kiddos aren't here with me today. Oh, please join us in speaking the blessing anyway. Because how many know there's no distance in the spirit? God is wherever they are. God is right there just like he's with you. And in the spirit, you can lay hands on them in the spirit. And speak God's over them. best over them. Here's a few takeaways regarding blessings. Number one. Blessings are given and received by faith. They're given and received by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he um, rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when I am giving a blessing, I have to really believe that I have it to give. There's a faith level in that. When I lay hands on my daughter's, They have to have a faith level that I'm really giving something to them. Listen, Jacob wouldn't have risked everything that he did if he didn't believe he was really getting something. He knew he was going to get something. He wanted that word spoken over him by his father more than anything else. Okay? So we have to believe and receive these gifts by faith. Hebrews 11, 20 and 21 says, By faith Isaac. So we talked about it, we talked about what he did, but here's a little more definition. He did it by faith. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, his own grandchildren, and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. This shows me that Jacob received that blessing because at the end of his life, he was now the one ready to give it away. And he didn't just give it to his children, but he gave it to his grandchildren. How many grandparents are in this house today? What a privilege you have to declare these blessings over your grandchildren. How many grandchildren are the reward for the years you put up with your own children? Okay, all right. It's, it's beautiful. And for you to have the privilege of seeing your grandchildren and to speak these blessings over them, Man, if you want your children, if you want your ceiling to be their basement, then what are you wanting for your grandchildren? Which is why Jacob said to his son Joseph, I'm taking your sons like they're my own. And the blessing that I'm putting on all your brothers, on Dan and Judah and every, I'm also putting on them directly. It's not just going to go through you, son. It's going to come from me directly to them. It's powerful. Okay? So blessing... Uh, Your children, blessings are given and received by faith. Number two, blessing children is Christ-like. Blessing children is Christ-like. I think it's amazing that we had a word of knowledge today that literally is the verse that that I put with this point for you. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them but the disciples rebuke them. How many of you love the fact that the disciples never seem to get it? Okay. <laughs> there they are walking with Jesus. People are like, I need to get my children to Jesus. And they're like, stay away from Jesus. The most loving, wonderful person in the world. Stay away from him, right? So they're rebuking people, and Jesus saw this. It says he was indignant. Look that up in the original Greek. He was really, really, really mad at his disciples. And he said to them, and it probably wasn't polite, let the children, the little children come to me. Let the the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That word was given earlier. Kingdom, basiliah, the authority of God belongs to children, right? I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the authority of God, the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. I mean, how can I walk in the authority of God if I don't receive it? It's pretty simple, right? You're not going to enter into authority if you won't receive the authority. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. You know one of the things I love at Faith Chapel? I love seeing Carol Rowden poisoning all of our children with candy every Sunday. (laughs) I love it. There was an old lady... Not that I'm calling Carol an old lady. I usually regret uh, what was that quote? Let's see here. Some things are better left unsaid, which I generally realize right after I have said them. All right. Now I'll just I'll go there to to our three and four year olds. Carol's been here longer than the sun and moon and stars. All right, because because when you're a kid, that's just the way it is. But when I was a kid at First Assembly of God, there was an old lady and she was bitter, and she was angry, and she thought she was going to heaven. And she had religion, and kids would walk in, and we made too much noise, and we needed to walk single file, and we were told to be quiet, and everything was about our behavior, and we were a nuisance, and we were a problem. You know what I'm enjoying today? Hearing a squeak, seeing a movement, Seeing children, uh, my mom used to call it wallerin on someone. How do you even spell that? Man, that kid's wallering all over him today, okay? They're, sitting on, they're not sitting on the lap, they're wallering on the lap, okay? That's the same people that wa- wash their car rather than wash their car. They waller, waller and they wash, okay? Carol is, Carol is one of the women of God in this church that is creating a culture that our children are not just accepted, but they're celebrated, and we love them. And that when you come to church, good things happen. You get sugar. You get candy. And I've, I've actually heard a couple of people say, well, she's bribed them all. <laughs> if she's smart enough to bribe them, it works. I've got children in this church that they won't leave without getting to me to hug me and tell me goodbye every week. I work for that because I want them to know it's not manipulative, it's not a ploy, they're they're world changers. I work at that. I want them to know they're amazing. I want them to know that they look fantastic. Even when it's obvious that they barely made it on time and their hair's sticking one way and they got a flood of covering coming out of this thing, you're like, you're amazing. That's the most runoff I've seen in a long time wow, what a gift. You call it out. I know it's rough. I'm a, I'm a parent. I know it's exhausting. I know it's tiring. I need people partnering with me to call out greatness from my children. How many need somebody partnering with you to call out greatness from your kids? How I many, they're like, I need some help. With it. I need people giving them candy and spoiling them and loving them. Okay? it's what Jesus wants us to do. Think about it. Your children really desire you and your affirmation and blessing that's just what they want emma and i had one of the the best weeks going to north dakota and doing senior high camp together just my 15 year old and i ministering together for a week she said when are we going back and i feel the same way i love that i i want the time with her she wanted the time with me it worked out great your children want your affirmation and let's give it to them in a blessing number three takeaways blessings bring more than expected i know there's a lot of information but some of you might not come back and i want you to have this i want you to speak this over your kids i want you to understand the power of it blessings bring more than expected proverbs 10:22 says this the blessings of the lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it when we're talking about wealth here We're not just talking about riches, even though that word is a part of it. But it's everything that would consider a person to be prosperous. Would you consider a person that walks in divine health to have prosperity? Or that that has enough money to provide a meal for somebody else in need? Would that, and I'll guarantee you, most of the world, that's pretty prosperous. If you can help provide for somebody else, okay, that's prosperity. God's blessing brings this and he adds no trouble to it. So I wanna share two things with you here. The word wealth is the Hebrew word asher. That's how it's pronounced, asher. And the reason I mention it, in the original Hebrew, there were no exclamation points. So when the author wanted to emphasize something, they would write a word two times in a row. It wasn't a mistake. It was for emphasis. Literally, this says, the blessing of the Lord brings asher. Asher. And he adds no trouble to it. Solomon wants us to know God's blessing brings wealth, prosperity, stability, success. Blessing, prosperity, stability, success. And he says it twice so that we'll receive it. And then it says, and he adds no trouble to it. I'm gonna challenge you because some of you have done this. You've got a poverty mentality. You get a bonus from work and you say something like, Well, I wonder what's going to go wrong that we needed this money. How many of you have ever done that? You get a a $500 check, you had no clue it was coming in. You're like, well, I bet the engine's getting ready to go out of the car. Wow. Let's just go ahead and curse our blessings. Listen, the Lord gives blessing and he doesn't add trouble to it. God doesn't put it into your hands and into your bosom, as the the old guys used to say. He doesn't entrust it to you for it to be stolen away. He's not bringing trouble. He's bringing blessing and success. He wants you to prosper. Last thing is this. The blessing of the righteous lift up a city. And I really wanted to mention this in our culture today. We've got a guy in Phoenix They haven't found him yet randomly shooting people on Interstate 10. They've been searching for him for months. Just every once in a while, somebody's driving down the interstate and a bullet comes through their windshield. Many of you probably heard about the guy between Joplin and Springfield yesterday that shot three people in a church van and a couple other people that were driving by. I had not heard of any of them passing away, but we are seeing random acts of violence like never before. I'm here to tell you part of it, we have got to have a nation that'll honor life. And when you sow to death the way our nation sows to death, you reap the destruction of death. All the more reason why we need the people of God standing for life Declaring life, praying for life, and releasing the blessing of life. We are seeing destruction and murder upon a nation. I want you to know, if our nation doesn't turn its face back toward God, their loss but may God's people turn our face toward God and may we walk with God. Let's not be an impotent church, a powerless church, a church without the presence of the Holy Spirit, a church that doesn't bring justice, a church that doesn't give life. Let's do it. Let's focus on him. Proverbs eleven eleven says this, through the blessing of the upright a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked it's destroyed. You realize that God blesses a city through his people. God blesses his people to bless their city. If he can use the wicked to destroy a city, or if the wicked are used to destroy a city, how much more can the righteous be the blessing of God, bring the blessing of God upon a city? I'm challenging you in all of your thinking in partnering with the principles of, of the kingdom of heaven in your life, can we be the peacemakers? Can we be the ones that stand and we are, we're the advocates for life? Can we be, be the ones that bring justice to the oppressed? Can we quit labeling everybody by their brokenness and actually offer them the healing that they really need so they can be everything that God's called them to be? Can we be those people? Let's give. Let's give... Our city, our blessing, by being a blessing to our city. And I'm not just talking about calling up City Hall and saying, can we come and scrub your sidewalks and be a blessing to you? It might get you a little time on KSDK. Faith Chapel was willing to wash the sidewalks at their city. Our sidewalks don't need washed. That's not where the problem is. Problem is that hearts are broken, lives are destroyed, and we need to step in the gap and bring the kingdom of heaven, heal the sick, raise the dead, and set the captives free. And that'll preach. That's what God's called us to do. We've talked a lot about blessings. I gave you tons of information, and I hope you took some pictures. If you want to take a picture of this one, it was your kind of your final takeaways regarding a blessing. But here is what we're going to do right now, and I'm going to listen. These moments. Some of us like to feel spiritual when we do spiritual things. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been to a church and you felt like a hypocrite because you were worshiping but you didn't feel spiritual while you were doing it? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, let's give him the glory and your hands are up and you're like, I don't really want to do it. Oh my goodness, I'm pitting out. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Trying to give him glory and your elbow hits your neighbor in the ear. Oh, and you're, you're trying to. I don't always feel spiritual when I worship. How about you? And there are times if I'm not careful, the enemy will use that on me. Well, you know, you're such a hypocrite. Your heart's not even hit in it. Are you kidding me? I, I don't feel like doing this and I've got all these distractions and I'm still giving him glory anyway. That's exactly where my heart is. I'm fighting through it. I wish I could tell you every time I prayed, the heavens opened, my angel friend came down. Brad, so good to see you again today. Father's given a little extra glory and glory dust falls from me. I just kind of skip through life and walk through Target and people fall under the power. Sham, wow, sham, wow. I, there are times I'm praying, you're, I'm just fighting through it, right? Lord, I'm giving you all my focus and then you fill your phone buzz in your pocket. God, I am yours. Oh, wow, that really is a good deal. I need to get over to Aldi's right now. I need more turkey sausage. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm yours, God. I'm your, am I the only one that does this stuff? Okay. It's not about feeling it. It's just who you are. You are spiritual and physical. And you are who you are. So right now, we're not going to lower the lights, call the angelic visitors. Angels are already here. Because he's entrusted you so you don't even dash your foot against a stone. And it's going to be a little chaotic, but it'll be order to the chaos as we try to all get our kiddos and gather them close and we lay hands on them and we speak a blessing over them. And we're going to do this corporately. We're going to do it in unity. And if your kids aren't here with you today, man, grab your wife's hand or your husband's hand or if you're solo today, just know there's no distance in the spirit. There are times when I pray for people across the country, I'll just, I stick my hand out like I'm right there because there's no distance in the spirit and I just begin to speak the blessing over them. I don't have to go to Baton Rouge to bless it. Now, I might go there in a different capacity to bless it, but I definitely can speak a blessing from right here, okay? So, We're going to do this together, and then we've printed these blessings, and I know some of you keep them every year, and we're going to let you take them home, and if it's something that you want to speak over your child on a regular basis, we want you to do that. Pastor Brad, where does a blessing come from? They're based on scriptural principles out of his word, and this year, I just sat down at my computer, and I began to pray by typing. I just began to pray by typing, and then I made it look a little better so that we could say it together. And I called Sophia into my office and said, hey, Sophie, come here a second. She sat on my lap, and she's a lot taller than she used to be. And I put my hands on her head, and I spoke the blessing over her. And I said, what do you think? She said, that's a good one, Dad. Let's do it. So it's a good one, Dad. We're going to do it.